from the studios of Fractal Recording, this is The Mystic Show, episode 124. everyone. (laughs) I was almost going to call you spiritual aspirants. (laughs) Hello, spiritual friends. No, it's not like that. We're all friends. (laughs) Anyhow, welcome to The Mystic Show. I'm your host, Chris Curran. I'm very happy that you're able to join me. This is the show where we talk about spirituality and mindfulness and meditation and self-help. The purpose of this show is for you and I and everyone to be forwarded along in our personal growth, you know, be shepherded along by this great information that we talk about. Um, It's deep information. You know, this is not a show where we just kind of, you know, skim the surface and use some buzzwords and stuff. This is like pretty intense. This is almost like an ongoing learning like a study group or something. Um, And obviously, if you practice a lot of the things we talk about, it'll make a big difference in your life. Uh, Every Friday, we release new episodes, and you can hear the show as a podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, which are two apps you can get on your phone. And our website is themysticshow.net. That's right. And you can sign up for behind-the-scenes emails from me, And you'll hear little tidbits of the stuff that did not make it onto the show. And you'll also get to download the audio, this audio piece that I made. It's really cool. It's called Relax with Rumi. It's selected Rumi quotes over relaxing music. And it's really nice. People are loving it. People are downloading it like crazy. So you can go to themysticshow.net and find out all about that and get that piece of audio. And uh, we're going to talk about some really good stuff in this episode today. Um, First thing is going to be the immediate and significant benefits of aiming really high. Right? Aiming really high. What are the immediate benefits? And significant benefits. They're not just small benefits. Um, Oh, I almost forgot to say hello and thank you to our sponsor and partner organization, Pause Your Life. Pause Your Life. Um, You ever feel like you need to hit the pause button on your life? You know, you might be stressing out a little and you just want to get away or stop the craziness. Well, Pause Your Life uh, organizes retreats and meetups. So check out pauseyourlife.org. So the immediate benefits of aiming really high. What do I mean by that? Well, in our spiritual pursuit on our spiritual journey, um, there's different benefits we get, right? Um, from meditation, we can get, you know, peace of mind, relaxation. Um, we can, you know, not be disturbed by our past as much. 
Um, and of course, it's been well documented that meditation can have a huge effect on your physical health. That's clearly and widely known at this point. That's not up for debate anymore. It never was, but you know, scientists, if they don't have a bazillion pages of proof, then it's not real. <laughs> so, so, um, so we we get so many side benefits from spirituality, but we we kind of have to have a goal, right? Anything we do, we have to have a goal. I mean, if you're hungry and you and you go to buy some food, what's your goal? Your goal is to eat and be nourished by the food, right? So same in spirituality, we we practice meditation, we read books, we learn uh, from the masters, but what's our goal? And a lot of people who enter spirituality, they don't really have a goal. And actually, that's totally fine. In fact, most of us, when we enter, we don't really know what the goal is because the very high spiritual goals are actually almost impossible to to uh, think about. They're so abstract. You know, the, the spirit goes way beyond the capacity of our own mind. Our own mind is... is um, it's powerful, but it, it's limited compared to the spirit. So, so like anything in life, um, if you set your goal really high, it does a couple things. Um, it basically pulls you forward. So, so think about it this way: if you wanted to, well, let me use an example. A few years ago, I was training for a marathon. I wanted to run a marathon, and I've never been a runner in my life. But I met some friends and we used to, you know, meet on the weekends and do some running because I was trying to, you know, be healthy. And then, okay, there's a marathon coming up. Hey, why not set a big goal for myself and really go for it, you know, train for a long time. And what happened was I had a coach. I had a real running coach who offered to help me. I was very grateful. And he, right off the bat, he said, you know, you're not ready he said, you might not like what I'm going to say, but you're not ready to do a full marathon. You should probably do a half marathon. And I kind of was like, well, no, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go halfway. I want to go all the way. And I don't want to, you know, wimp out or anything. And after talking to him, though, he made it kind of clear and helped me. And and then I just ended up saying, look, if you really think that I should do a half marathon, I'm fine with it. Turns out, uh, he was right, <laughs> as most coaches and mentors are, right? So I ended up training for more than six months and dedicated practice, you know, running, you know, at least every other day, if not, you know, four or five times a week. And I trained for more than six months and I actually did run the half marathon and it was very hard. And when I was the second half of the the half marathon, I was, I basically said, I'm never doing this again. This is crazy. <laughs> uh, it was very difficult. Um, but the point I want to make is my goal was a big goal. And think about it for the six months leading up to that half marathon, I was running four to five times a week because I had a purpose. So let's pretend I did not have a goal to run a marathon. Would I have run four to five times a week? No way. I would, you know, at, when it's a little rainy outside, I would have said, eh, I'll run tomorrow. 
or if I wake up late, said, ah, I don't have time to run all this, right? All the excuses come into play. But when you, when I had a big goal and I had a purpose, I just did it. I didn't really even think about it. So, so I think the same thing happens in, in our, in our spiritual journey. You know, if we set a big goal, the highest goal spiritually, which, you know, what, whatever that means to you, self-realization, uh, becoming one with God, becoming enlightened, um, transcending life and death while you're still in a body, you know, you have to choose your goal. But if you choose a really high goal, then what happens is it sort of pulls you forward. You know, the daily meditation that we do, it, it's, it just sort of happens. It's easier because we have a purpose. We have a big goal. And, uh, Without the big goal, it's very, very difficult. Another thing that my spiritual guide told us is that nature helps, period. So whatever you want to do in life, nature will help you. Nature with the capital N, which maybe you could say the universe or God, whatever. Uh, Nature helps. So if you wanted to do bad things and steal money and rob banks... You know, if you start looking around for people to help you, nature will provide them. (laughs) If you need a plan, nature will provide you a plan. That's just, nature is just there and we choose what we're going to take from it. Um, But on the other hand, if you want to do something good, nature also helps. So if you want to feed starving people somewhere, nature will help. You know, if you want to meet people who can help you do that, You'll meet the people. Maybe not immediately, but you will. And if you want to run a half marathon, nature will help. It helped me. So, and if we choose a really, really high spiritual goal, nature will help us. It's almost like there's this big power out there that is ready to do whatever we want it to do. We just have to initiate something. We have to use our intention and initiate action toward a certain result. And that power of the universe or whatever it is helps us, which to me is very, that, I don't know, I'm inspired by that because, you know, it's kind of like, let's say there was, you know, a thousand angels that were floating above you, helping you with everything you do. I mean, imagine that, having an army of angels helping you in everyday life and spiritual life. I mean, which, you know, who knows if that's literally true, but it doesn't matter. There's this big power that's helping us. It's even way more powerful than a thousand angels. So so I also mentioned last week, really quickly, um, you know, physically we're limited Mentally, we're limited, but spiritually, we are not limited. And it's, this is kind of hard to wrap our mind around, but we are able to set really high spiritual goals and work toward them. And we can achieve it. There's nothing that can stop us from achieving it spiritually. Mentally, you have limits. You can only remember so many things and think so many thoughts. Physically, you're way limited. You can, can't do anything. Hardly, you know, 
very limited. But spiritually, we can do so much more than we think we can. So, you know, the immediate and significant benefits of aiming really high are that this big goal will pull you forward and will, you know, help you take the actions every day necessary to get there. Um, so, you know, be bold. Even, uh, you know, the famous quote from uh, Goethe, he said, um, be bold. You know, boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. So when you make a bold move or a bold action, uh, yeah, we trigger some sort of power. So that's very inspirational to me. So, so maybe you can sort of reflect on your goal. What is your spiritual goal? And you might not know, and that's okay. You don't have to know this moment. Um, but maybe you want to start thinking about it. Maybe you want to talk about it with other people. So right now we're going to transition to finishing up one of the sections of our James Allen book. And this has been amazing. The book is called From Poverty to Power, published in 1901. And we're literally, this is the second to last tiny section we're going to read of the whole book. We're at the very, very end. The name of the section that we're reading from over the last three episodes is called Saints, Sages, and Saviors, The Law of Service. And we've read two-thirds of this section. We're going to read the final little piece. So let's just start. Here we go. Truth is very simple. It says, give up self. Come unto me, away from all that defiles, and I will give you rest. All the mountains of commentary that have been piled upon it cannot hide it from the heart that is earnestly seeking for righteousness. It does not require learning. It can be known in spite of learning. Disguised under many forms of erring, self-seeking man, the beautiful simplicity and clear transparency of truth remains unaltered and undimmed, and the unselfish heart enters into and partakes of its shining radiance. Not by weaving complex theories, not by building up speculative philosophies is truth realized. But by weaving the web of inward purity, by building up the temple of a stainless life, is truth realized. He who enters upon this holy way begins by restraining his passions. This is virtue and is the beginning of saintship, and saintship is the beginning of holiness. The entirely worldly man gratifies all his desires and practices no more restraint than the law of the land in which he lives demands. The virtuous man restrains his passions. The saint attacks the enemy of truth in its stronghold within his own heart and restrains all selfish and impure thoughts. 
whilst the holy man is he who is free from passion and all impure thought, and to whom goodness and purity have become as natural as scent and color are to the flower. The holy man is divinely wise. He alone knows truth in its fullness and has entered into abiding rest and peace. For him, evil has ceased. It has disappeared in the universal light of the all-good. Holiness is the badge of wisdom. Said Krishna to the prince Arjuna, Humbleness, truthfulness, and harmlessness Patience and honor, reverence for the wise, purity, constancy, control of self, contempt of sense delights, self-sacrifice, perception of the certitude of ill in birth, death, age, disease, suffering, and sin, an ever-tranquil heart in fortune's good, and fortune's evil, endeavors resolute to reach perception of the utmost soul, and grace to understand what gain it were, so to attain. This is true wisdom, Prince, and what is otherwise is ignorance. Whoever fights ceaselessly against his own selfishness and strives to supplant it with all-embracing love, is a saint. Whether he live in a cottage or in the midst of riches and influence, or whether he preaches or remains obscure. To the worldling, who is beginning to aspire toward higher things, the saint, such as a sweet St. Francis of Assisi, or a conquering St. Anthony, is a glorious and inspiring spectacle. To the saint, an equally enrapturing sight is that of the sage, sitting serenely and holy, the conqueror of sin and sorrow, no more tormented by regret and remorse, and whom even temptation can never reach. And yet even the sage is drawn on by a still more glorious vision, that of the Savior actively manifesting his knowledge in selfless works and rendering his divinity more potent for the good by sinking himself in the throbbing, sorrowing, aspiring heart of mankind. And this only is true service, to forget oneself in love toward all, to lose oneself in working for the whole. O thou vain and foolish man, who thinkest that thy many works can save thee, who, chained to all error, talkest loudly of thyself, thy work, and thy many sacrifices, and magnifiest thine own importance. Know this, that though thy fame fill the whole earth, 
all thy work shall come to dust, and thou thyself be reckoned lower than the least in the kingdom of truth. Only the work that is impersonal can live. The works of self are both powerless and perishable. Where duties, how, howsoever humble, are done without self-interest and with joyful sacrifice, there is true service and enduring work. Where deeds, however brilliant and apparently successful, are done from the love of self, there is ignorance of the law of sacrifice, and the work perishes. It is given to the world to learn one great and divine lesson, the lesson of absolute unselfishness. The saints, sages, and saviors of all time are they who have submitted themselves to this task and have learned and lived it. All the scriptures of the world are framed to teach this one lesson. All the great teachers reiterate it. It is too simple for the world, which, scorning it, stumbles along in the complex ways of selfishness. A pure heart is the end of all religion and the beginning of divinity. To search for this righteousness is to walk the way of truth and peace. And he who enters this way will soon perceive that immortality which is independent of birth and death, and will realize that in the divine economy of the universe, the humblest effort is not lost. The divinity of Krishna a Gautama, or a Jesus, is the crowning glory of self-abnegation, the end of a soul's pilgrimage in matter and mortality. And the world will not have finished its long journey until every soul has become as these and has entered into the blissful realization of its own divinity. And we will take a quick break to ponder that. Welcome back to The Mystic Show. 
And uh, that little piece of music was something I created a while back. Um, Real quick, if you'd like to consider supporting The Mystic Show, there are several ways you can do it. You can um, share each episode on your social media, like Facebook and Twitter. You can just link right back to themysticshow.net. You can also give the show a rating or or a review in iTunes or Stitcher. Um, And we also have a little website where you can contribute a dollar or two or three per episode uh, to help continue the show forward. So that that's on the website, themysticshow.net. So that reading, there's a few points I wanted to quickly touch on. Um, it starts from the, the first paragraph. Where is it? Yeah. He says, disguised under many forms by erring, self-seeking man, the beautiful simplicity and clear transparency of truth remains unaltered and undimmed. I I don't know if we, you know, are always mindful enough to realize that wherever you are in the present moment, whatever the circumstances are around you, divinity is with you and it is unaltered and undimmed. So basically, that's one thing we can count on in this world that you know, divinity or the universe or God is always with us in full force. And, and he continues the sentence. He says, and the unselfish heart enters into and partakes of its shining radiance. So we can partake of that, that beauty, that power, that, uh, transcendent world you know, there's no words for it, but we can tap into that in the moment. And that is, uh, you know, come on, isn't that inspiring? Think about it right now, as you're listening to my voice, all the divinity, the divinity in the universe is with you. All the beauty is inside you right now. I mean, that's, that's just cool. Now if we can live in that consciousness. Well, Try it. <laughs> right? I think that's what we're trying to do. I don't know. Um, he also says in a little few paragraphs later, to the worldling who is beginning to aspire toward higher things, the saint is a glorious and inspiring spectacle. Right? So here he goes through the saint, the sage, and the savior. And I'm not going to get into the word savior and all that. Not today. Um, but basically he says the saint is someone who is aspiring toward higher things. And the sage is someone who is sitting serene and holy and has conquered his sin and sorrow. And even beyond that, the savior is someone who has attained all that. And now he or she is actually doing selfless work for the good of other humans and mankind. So you can see, even on the divine path, even if we've achieved quite a bit, we, we should always look toward that next level, right? So the saint is looking at the sage and saying, wow, he's really attained a lot. And the sage is sitting there thinking, he's looking at the savior and saying, wow, he really or she has, has attained a lot. So 
I thought that was interesting how he he pointed that out. He also says uh, about the service that uh, these these uh, accomplished spiritual people give. He says, and this only is true service to forget oneself in love toward all to lose oneself in working for the whole. And again, total unselfishness. That's what he says. Um, And this seems to be one of the difficult parts about living in a human body and in a society on planet earth. I was going to say living in the modern day, but I don't know that the past was any different. You know, I think in any era that you live, you can become attached to the material world and be caught up in your desires and, and money in the material world. Um, but he says true service is when you forget yourself in your love toward all and lose yourself in working for the whole. So this is, again, it gives us a little way that we can sort of reflect on our lives and are, you know, is every action I'm taking a completely selfish act for myself or what actions do I take in my life that are for other people or for the good of all? And the other thing is when we do serve other people or we do serve all, do we do it anonymously or do we do it wanting the credit and wanting, you know, my name printed in a book saying thank you for your contribution? You know, do we help other people just to boost our own ego or do we help other people anonymously just because it's the right thing to do? That's a big point. And then he says, uh, a pure heart is the end of all religion and the beginning of divinity. And of course, this, you know, the reason we call this show The Mystic Show is because, as it says on our website, the definition of mystic, let me pull it up here one second, right? I haven't memorized this, huh? You'd think I would. But the definition of mystic is... Really? It's going to take this long to load the web page? Oh my goodness. Oh, here we go. Uh, The definition of mystic, as it's said on the website, is a person who gains spiritual knowledge through prayer and deep thought. And the word mysticism can be defined as a spiritual practice based on the belief that knowledge of spiritual truth can be gained through meditation and prayer. So, Mysticism itself transcends religion or any any organization, really, right? It, it always comes down to you and the divinity in your heart. That's why James Allen says, a pure heart is the end of all religion and the beginning of divinity. So that's pretty inspiring. So I hope you found some of these concepts interesting. I I just find it fascinating. I'm happy to be on this journey with you. I'm happy to hear from you about your thoughts about some of these topics. And as you're living your your day and your week, maybe you want to bring up some of these topics to people you know or your friends and talk about it. That's one thing I find. We don't talk about these topics that are of the utmost importance. 
It's easy to get caught up in gossip, but anyhow, until next week, and as always, keep shining.